Hey there, welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm your host, Corbett Barr from fizzle.co, and this is our podcast about earning a living independently doing something you love. And today's guest needs no introduction, at least not if you listen to the first 300 episodes or so of this show. We have on today Chase Reeves, formerly co-host of The Fizzle Show and Fizzle's co-founder. Chase recently launched a podcast, and it was time to catch up with him to find out what he's been up to. Let's dive into the conversation. It was really good to hear you back podcasting. I love the sound of Chase's intro, outro, <laughs> fatherly, personality. personality, voice. Oh, thank you, my friend. It's thank so you. good. That makes almost two of us. I mean, I kind of do, but at the same time, it's like you're always doing a version of yourself. That's true. For me, like, I'm just like, I take ayahuasca because I'm like, I, who am I really? You know, so it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't solve. <laughs> Please, someone, problem. someone tell me who I am because I'm I can't waiting. figure it out myself. For God, Jesus, or a dragon, any, anything will do. Gandalf showing up going like, here's who you are, Chase. We know you. We see you. This is the real you. Aside from the personality thing, which obviously there's some interpretation necessary, yeah. you have to admit, or you have to know that you have a, a really good radio voice. Thank you. We cultivated that together. Like I love being in my little creative studio, my little mad lab. And you got to understand that my, if you were listening to that PD song, you know, don't tell the boys. One of the reasons why I love that so much is because it has a sort of vintage vibe to it. Another reason why I love it so much is because it just sounds really good and lush. The, the keyboard sounds yeah. that he's using in there just sound good. You have to understand that when your focus is on music and your eyes are closed and you're in the studio and you're listening on headphones or on some monitors and you're really trying to dial it in, which yeah. I started doing at a really young age, the music, there's guys and gals who master songs like after they've been tracked and recorded and mixed and all this stuff they go to like sarah and she is a wizard with the golden ears you know these people are the most mythical in like media creation they have golden ears what is that well it's it's just a sensitivity like this is something that eckhart tolle talked about in this great conversation with russell brand he's like it's like a spaciousness you are listening for a spaciousness (laughs) Something like that. And I really resonated with that. The spaciousness of the way places sound. So when I'm in my little mad lab with the headphones on yeah, and turned up loud, because like the very first thing I ever heard was Mark Marin saying, like, I heard the trick is you just got to get it really loud in your headphones. That's hours and hours and hours spent doing that. And then next thing you know, you're right up to the mic. You're trying to get really close and getting better at, at the way that your mic responds to all the different sort of physical things coming out. You, of course, are multifaceted, especially in the creative realms. But I think of you most as an audio guy, as a music and audio guy. I was talking to my son. I got a little stone and I was talking to Aiden the other night. It was the first time actually having some of my PAX vaporizer pen or whatever in a long time. And I was just sitting there lying in bed with him as he was going to sleep. And I was like, if you could do one thing and you didn't get it, it's not a wave a magic wand and you're just going to be great at this thing. You could do one thing and it's going to cost you a lot to get good at this thing. Yeah. But you know, you're going to be one of the best in the world at it in 25 years, which gives you another 25 years to be one of the greats. What would you want to do? And his 11 year old mind is like, what the fuck, dad? <laughs> but he didn't really respond that way. He, he was like, we just kind of went, started going through some of the stuff that he likes. And there's this thing that some Buddhists say every now and again, like first thought, best thought, you know, your first idea, the first thing that comes to mind is your best thought. And first thought, best thought for me was being a musician. Actually with music, you can talk about whatever you want. You can encode it in like myth and metaphor as much as you want. And it's just vibey, you know, it's super vibey. But at the same time, I think it's always been like, who gets to be a famous musician? But who gets to be a a famous YouTuber? I mean, you know, not that there aren't probably more YouTubers than there are musicians that are successful. I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are, but still, who gets to be successful on YouTube or podcasting or as an entrepreneur? All these things are hard. Facing that, just those odds, for example, and as the Buddhists say, this being so, so what? Like moving on, keeping moving forward regardless. Like that is how you do it. All of our fizzle stuff could be summarized into that with a few little specificities on like how to set up your MailChimp account. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. Just keep moving forward. And here's how you set that form up on your website. Yeah. And by the way, I just learned this super firsthand by actually launching the podcast that I've been thinking about doing since I was still at Fizzle, you know, in totally different ideas and versions of it. It just, it never, never felt full green light on it. And it did not feel full green light on it still. But now that it's done, like it's out there, there, it's like, like I can see things that I couldn't see before. The lessons come when you're doing it. The learning happens when you're doing it, not in thinking about doing it, which is another thing that I'm like, I'm glad that that's what we built our entire brand on instead of like, here's the most important thing, you know, instead of pure confidence. Well, thank God, because time goes by and the most important thing, like from a strategy, technology, tactics perspective changes. So do you feel like you denied yourself a music career? intentionally? Or do you think that if you had met some people at the right point in your life that you might have pursued that as deeply as you've pursued? I pursued what I pursued partly because there was people around me saying that I was good at this. And this is the kind of thing that they needed. Like you were one of these people, right? Like we worked together to design your website. We just met over cocktails and we liked each other's vibe. We got our wives together. It's like, Hey, this is fun. Next thing you know, you guys are on vacation in Mexico. We vacation nearby and spend some of the time with you. Because to me, you represented this independence that I expected of myself and making websites is more valuable to individuals than making a song that they vibe with, or you have more connection or something like that. And honestly, as much as I practiced music and got good at it, I didn't play very much live music outside of a church context. So there was lots of churchy music going on nowadays. And and even back in the day, it was very rarely what I put on when I wanted to listen to something. Like I found more spiritual connection to like albums from people like Bon Iver and The Decemberists or something like that. Dashboard Confessional or something. Dashboard Confessional for sure. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. I hope people don't think that you're like discounting yourself as like just some guy that played at church once in a while. Because I think that watching Melissa watch you, you see that she is absolutely enamored with your musical talents whenever you have a chance to play. I've seen you absolutely slay a room with karaoke. I've seen you improv songs at a bar where you just jumped up on stage in between acts and improv a song about Mexico and vacationing and whatever. That's right. <laughs> and then I've I've heard various like little, you know, albums that you put together that were really good as well. So it's an interesting point, this idea that I did deny myself a music career by pursuing this thing. If I had met other people who were like, so we were talking about that guy, Petey and his music in the beginning, he may have just like fallen into it in a similar way, you know, where there, or there might be people around. There's a show that I bought bought this show on iTunes. I think it was on FX. And for the next like five, six or seven years or so, I have to try to hide it from my son because Heidi hides something that you've purchased on iTunes or whatever. But I'm glad I watched every episode of it. It's called Dave. I think it's called Dave. It's about, there's this guy, Little Dicky, who's a YouTube rapper. Oh yeah, yeah, Little Dicky, yeah. He made a show and I got to say, Corbett, it's like, how are people this old making, like he's not very old, making such a phenomenally like coherent piece of TV that it is so good. And it's like adolescent and uh, irreverent, but oh man, it is so, and it's so good at like what it's like to be a creator and just the, anyways, I don't know why I bring that up except for the fact that like, you know, denying myself the music career and in that you see, I right now am a full-time creative and I still struggle under the burden of like the ex existential sort of like, well, should I do this or should I do that or this, that, and the other? And I'm glad I have the independence that I have, even though I don't look at the counting spreadsheets, I could if I wanted to. And I don't give a lot of it away to like a manager or to a bunch of other stuff. That kind of independence, there's not a bunch of stuff in between me and the money, just the creativity and the connection that these made pieces I put together have with an audience. Are there days or weeks where you're just, you're satisfied in your skin and with the world that you've constructed, your creative world with, hey, I'm Chase Reeves. I do this YouTube thing. I launched a new podcast and I feel good about that. And I'm, and I'm happy where I am. Or do you constantly beat yourself up because you're not doing something that's maybe more a pure form of creativity or Mm. because you haven't reached a certain level of, of success or where are you at? 
still a lot of self-flagellation, I have mm-hmm. to admit. I've had my seasons where, I mean, even back in Fizzle, there was some good seasons of where I was really practicing a lot of mental practices around satisfaction. I put out like sermons every now and again on my YouTube channel. And one of them is called Practice Satisfaction. Like, you know, this is something that's super, like if I have a personal philosophy or a rooted kind of spirituality, like this is a really big part of it. It's not going to get better then and like there. It's like the thing I got on stage at ConvertKit's conference and talked about. It's like, if you can't start feeling it now, you won't feel it then. You know, and in fact, there is this whole other way of engineering life where you practice feeling it now the way that you want to feel as a sort of a spiritual discipline or a psychological soulful discipline and let what you create come out of that instead of give yourself some sort of goal to attain. And then you have the feeling after that. So no, I still very much, I worry. I just worry. You know, I worry about money. I worry about if I'll be able to do something creative tomorrow, but I really have made a life that forces me to do that. I have grown in my trust that that will likely happen. When I get throat cancer and can no longer speak, (laughs) I'll have to deal with that in a different way. I feel like I've got the tools to move through. So much of life is just like, I just have the nose that I have. You know what I mean? I just have, (laughs) I just have that. Yeah. It's distinctive. You know, I just have that, right? Yeah. I have the, the the history of of relationships that I have, you know, or, or the lack of history of relationships, right? Yeah. I have, I, you just have what you have. You have the parents that you have. So, so much of the, the early days of sort of post-evangelical spirituality for me was this deep acceptance, you know, of just what is, just being with what is and, and finding satisfaction with that is less about, I do want to be at the in the comedians always talked about like that table in the back of the comedy cellar, right? Where it's like, it's the, that motivates me more than maybe anything else. Right. And, and you can't, you don't like the whole thing about that is like, you can't try to be there. Yeah. You know, Pete Holmes made a great show crashing that. Oh, so good. You see his desperation in like as a young comic. You know? <laughs> and they're like, get the hell out of here, man. Right now, right now where I am in the world, one of my favorite podcasters and media creators is here. And I am just, and he's not a big time. He's big time to me. You know, he's big time in, in a lot of ways. But like, I'm realizing that if I see him out and about, like it's yeah. over, like, like there's no other chance for me to come back from that in some ways. I'm like, I don't have a strategy. But I, I know you've, I know you've put people on a pedestal before and met yeah. them and then realized like, oh, he just puts his pants on one leg at a time, like everybody else. Right. Right. And that's part of why I like this guy, Duncan Trussell so much because he's, his whole thing is, is about that. Also, you know what it feels like to be a minor celebrity on yeah. the internet and then a T-list to be internet celebrity. a T-list and then to be recognized out in public and to have somebody come up and say, Hey man, I really appreciate what you do. It feels good. Like it's, it it's always. Good. And at the same time, you wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would have you. You just yeah. wouldn't. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that's part of what keeps me going. I have a sense of excellence. Like my taste, it's that old Ira Glass thing where your taste is so much higher than what you're capable of putting out. Yeah but you still have to be putting stuff out because if you don't, you won't actually improve. So the Delta, the distance between your taste and what you're actually doing slowly over time gets closer and closer. Hopefully it does. Otherwise it means you're not putting in the work, right? But I like that. Like I've gotten better at cocktail conversation, which to me is like not, not cocktail specifically, but just like hamming it up. When you meet someone, you're just getting to know them. One liners, like speaking about your life, being able to give and take, being able to listen these kinds of things are to me a who it's you a are life as a skill. Real, yeah. As a pro, I remember when I took my first, I took like a coaching master's program at Western Seminary. And I remember taking these classes going, like, geez, Louise, this should be just humanity 101. This is so basic. And nobody's ever told me any of this stuff. This is so essential. It's like it's going to help me in everything that I do in my life. That kind of basic, like general humanity thing to me is still the thing I feel like I'm most cultivating. And on top of that is the craft of digital media creation. You know, digital media creation is actually a layer or skin on top of what I was doing in junior high when I was, I was writing poems to the tune of Gilligan's Island. 
because it was just one song I knew in my head about Tupac Shakur and Shook Knight getting shot in Vegas that one night. It's like, I wish I remembered like one of the lines from it. And I think I only ever like did it to like three or four kids out on the baseball field or something like that. But if memory serves me, I might have that notebook somewhere. I wrote a, I wrote a poem about a frog. It was just weird stuff. Yeah. You know, but, it's but the, and, that, and that's where digital media comes from. Just that desire to create things with your voice. And I think to perform, I think to perform, I think the family of origins for me, is like, you got to do stuff to get that love. Like, Hey man, perform, like not just perform for me, but be at a high caliber, Mm -hmm. you know, don't, don't piss me off. Right. Don't, don't be in my way. And if I could perform, maybe I don't have a hell of a lot of memories back then, but if I could perform, maybe then that's what I make up about why it's just this drive. It's just yeah. this. Tell yourself whistle. that there was your dad was like, dance monkey. And you were like, yeah. okay. Yeah, exactly. But he wasn't like that. He was mostly, I think it would have been mostly just like, I'm not the most important thing to him or to my mom as well, you know, to like, yeah. to hey, like, look at me what? over here. Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that's why making things is always such a kind of a spiritual endeavor. And because for me, always had a spiritual angle and I got really intense with my Christianity. And then, you know, Jesus and I are seeing other people, but like the same thing happened in my relationship with quote God, right. Where it was like, I was doing things so God would pay attention to me. That's a transactional way of relating to the infinite. You don't want to have mean, a- the infinite. doesn't give a shit about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still think to me, like, there's like, what I want to do is I want to drop into the infinite in death, I want to release and let go and go, oh my God, I don't know what I want there to be. And I think so much yeah. of my grown up spirituality is like letting go of what you think it should be or whatever, just accepting what's what. But like the sense of, I don't know, like you're, you're like molecules and energy and shit that just like has been in creation for a long ass time. In case you're just tuning in to the fizzle show. <laughs> Chase Reeves is our guest today, and we have officially already gotten to molecules and energy 20 minutes in. blue dot. And and in case people don't know, the the real reason I wanted to have you on the show today, (laughs) this is a a big week for you. Finally, after years of talking about it, you have launched your own podcast. And I feel like this has been 10 years in the making. And it's one of those things that we talk about, like, hey, how's it going? You still thinking about doing that podcast? Like, what's it going to be? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And so finally, here it is. It's it's called Travel Light. I listened to the first episode. I couldn't stand the guest, but the overall... Topic was terrible guess. was pretty awesome. And I, I like the format and I'm really curious to see where you go with it. I guess what I'm left with right now, and I need to listen to episode two, obviously, to get a flavor for a different guest. What I'm left with right now is a vibe, I would say. Mm. You really imparted a really good vibe. You talked about wanting to, you know, because obviously on the YouTube channel, it's a fairly specific thing aside from the sermons that you do every several yeah. episodes. Yeah. And so you want this to be much more free form, it sounds yeah. like, so that you can dive into molecules and energy if you want to. <laughs> I do try to keep the bumpers on because the first podcast I ever started was called The Fizzle Show. And I did it with Corbett Barr and Caleb Logic. And we like learned how to do all of this together. And what was great is you guys provided bumpers for me, there was jokes and there, I think some people really liked the little bunny trails. Some people I know we heard from lots of people who really didn't like it. Right. But they were here for like the sort of solid sound take of the other people on the show. Right. And other people really identify with the kind of fritziness of my own thing. So I know that I can get really fritzy and what I've had to practice on the YouTube channel is a sort of topicness. The very first beginning of, of the first episode, the guest, like we're just hamming it up and you say something interesting and I'm like, well, that's a good place to start. And we just kind of dive right into there because I saw the connection to something that I wanted to talk to you about. So that kind of holding an intention where I want to go with this and being in free flow improv with yep. whatever's going on. Yep. It's a way of like doing a little crowd work and seeing where we're at, like getting some feedback from the audience and also being able to get them on your side so you can push forward with what you want to do. That kind of stuff to me, if anything, I have learned how to be more of a documentarian. It's one of my favorite forms of media because you just capture stuff, how it happens live and you find the story in it later, which is a lot of work. You know, the editing. It is a lot of work. Work. But I do find that that free flow realness is that's 
what I feel like needs to be intact. Like I'm so quick to be like, this show over here feels really fake. So quick to be like, I don't vibe with this. It's like they're, they're, they've got an agenda. It just doesn't feel like they're trying to make me think something about it. Right. And you, I would say, if you think about the Fizzle show, obviously you had co-hosts and occasionally we had guests and stuff. But then when you're on YouTube, it's just you and the camera and the episodes are, you know, somewhere between 20 and 40 minutes long. They've gotten shorter, man. They keep getting shorter and shorter because like I'm, they were so long because I just wanted to be talking. I wanted to be performing. You know what I mean? So how do you feel now doing Travel Light, having a guest on where Mm. you can fill as much of the space as you want, but also you have a guest on and you're trying to get things out of them. So you're not on the spot as much as you are when you are on YouTube or like even on the fizzle show, we were all on the spot a lot because we were our own guests in a way, you know, and and having to fill the time. I want to be a good listener. I feel like being a good listener is attractive. When you hear an interviewer honestly curious about somebody and let there be space for them to answer and then build on top of the answer that they give, that is really attractive to me. It feels really humane. It feels very spiritual, I guess, for lack of better terms. So I like to be able to do the improv with other people. And the same, that's one ski. The other ski that I'm coming down the hill with is like, what do I think people should hear about? You know, I think one of the things I've, not really been able to step into. When I was in college, the thing I wanted to be was a professor. I wanted to go get my PhD from Duke. Just connected so much with these professors. I was just like, geez, the wheeze. These people got to just learn for a living. And then they're like, hey, don't study that. Don't study that. Study this. This is the important thing, you know, but you have to do these things too. Here's the foundation. But then like, you know, the idea of a great teacher, Mr. Holland's opus kind of thing, like that's interesting. And I think at Fizzle, I never was really comfortable stepping into a, an actual teacher role mm-hmm. unless I was teaching you how to use Photoshop or, you know, Final Cut Pro or something, or like doing some vague concepts or like really just how do you keep motivated? I was just motivating people. I was just motivating people, I feel like. And I would like to, I think, step into a little more. I feel like I'm being asked by audience to step into a little more teaching role. People are curious. How do you live? How do you like get on with your wife? Like what is parenting like for you? Like what is this life on the road? What about being a creator full-time? Like there's some things that I want to be teaching about, but at the same time, it's just, I'm just not comfortable feeling like a teacher yet. I feel like, man, when I am 55, I'm going to be crushing this. So I just want to start the podcast. (laughs) It's the tweed jacket. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Tweed jacket, tobacco pipe, man. So do you have a big plan for this podcast? Is there some sort of arc that you're trying to take it on? Do you have like guests in the back of your pocket that you're looking forward to getting or that you hope to get one day? Right now, I want to get the most famous person that I could possibly reach on the podcast next. And short of that, it will be my wife. Okay. (laughs) Next episode will probably be my wife. So you'll have Don Miller next and then Melissa after that. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, to me, like I wanted to talk to James about like life after success for a long time. And he has that notoriety or a certain degree of notoriety. To me, part of just upfront is I I just want to show people that I'm here to play ball. I want to be a player. Like I want to be in the game. I want to be in the arena of what we're talking about. I don't necessarily want to be a news show where it's like, here's what I think about storming the Capitol. I don't want to get that political. I mean, I do because I feel like that's the conversation that you end up having with people that you're actually in an honest relationship with, where you don't Mm -hmm. worry if you're in or you're out with them. You know, we're not just keeping up appearances and and you could talk about like just a confusion in the world, but it's such a divisive line. And I find that basically philosophy is one angle of what I'm talking about, but like, you know, and I feel somewhat qualified to do that because being a philosopher just means, you know, like, it's like, I have an opinion about how I wipe my ass or something (laughs) like that. I sit around and think by myself a lot. (laughs) Exactly. But what what I'm getting at is there is a strong sense that I'm going to let this develop, like I'm going to develop it alongside of the feedback that I'm getting, which is like kind of what we learned about making stuff in general. The only master plan I have at this point is basically I should do another episode soon and we'll see how it goes from there there. And, you know, like I said, I'd like to have just selfishly and sort of maybe, you know, douchey wise, I'd like to have some famous people up front, like Corbett Barr and James Clear and possibly some others like Jonathan Haidt would be someone that I'd love to have up front, like Scott Galloway, like, but these are all people that I actually, it's not very viable. 
mm-hmm. that I would get to these people. But up front, I feel like podcasts, when you look at their guests, you're looking at their pedigree in some ways. And I would like to establish some pedigree early on so that I can use that as some currency for talking to people as we go. This episode is brought to you by Cloudways, a managed cloud hosting provider that is all about simplicity and freedom. Cloudways supports all major e-commerce platforms, including WooCommerce and Magento. It offers performance-oriented features such as managed backups, free SSL certificates, Cloudways CDN, built-in caches, security, and 24-7 support. Go to cloudways.com and use the promo code FIZZLE to sign up for a new Cloudways account and get a free $25 hosting credit. Taking care of employees has never been more important. For years, Gusto's been helping more than 100,000 small business owners run payroll, offer benefits, onboard new employees, and more. They call it the People Platform. And it doesn't just look nice, it works. Your payroll taxes are filed, deductions are calculated, and your team gets paid. You can even offer health insurance and 401ks. Get three months free after your first payroll when you go to gusto.com slash fizzle. That's gusto.com slash fizzle. That's true. It is much easier to get guests if you're like, well, we've had so-and-so and so-and-so on yeah. recently. So, so that's also, my big plan. I mean, like credibility and no like and trust. I really love your feedback on like you're left with kind of a vibe. Like, you know, on your episode, I took a bunch of notes on it. And I ended up recording like a, a bonus episode that's like pay what you want. I've never done like Gumroad, pay what you want sort of thing. Yep. I made this bonus episode and I still have to make like a digital download that comes with it. Like just diving deeper into some of these com- these bits that, that we were getting into because there's real teaching there. I can sense that there's some things I do know, even though I don't necessarily know how to put it forward. I'm not comfortable going on stage and having a shtick and going around here and there and doing like the look at me this way. Like, I don't want you to look at me this way. Like, I'd rather you look at me like a weirdo. But there are some elements that like needed to go deeper on. That could have been a podcast episode, but it wasn't. It was like this bonus extra thing for only the people who want to go further in that. Like the Patreon, there'll be like bonus episodes there for people who want to go further, who really connect with it. There's multiple audiences always. That's what I notice. And one piece of content can become so many if you have the patience. That is, I think, so much of the art of this. It being able to put together a piece of media that person A and person B go like, oh, this was made for me. And person A goes in one direction, person B goes in another direction. But you're connected to both of them because you're good at skiing down this mountain and connecting to things that are, like you said in the in the first episode, things that are more human, relatable in a larger context than just, you know, what Gary Vaynerchuk is doing on TikTok this week week or mm-hmm. something like that, you know? Where are you hosting the podcast, by the way? Fireside, because I wanted to go with Justin Jackson's. I was talking to him. I was totally going to do it. And then we already had a Fireside account and it was just another eight bucks to start one up. Yep. And then there's no cap to downloads or, or any of that. It's just going to be eight bucks a month yeah, yeah, for, yeah. in perpetuity. So I was just like, oh, have no, you looked into it. Patreon's hosting at all? They're hosting podcasts now? Well, they just teamed up with somebody who does something, but they do host private. I do have a private Patreon podcast that all of the episodes are up without ads and where everything is going to go unedited Got before it. I put it out. Like to me, the person who, like, like I mentioned, Duncan Trussell, his model is super inspiring to me because you're always looking for like another person is like Matt Diavola or Matt Diavella or whatever. Uh-huh. That kid just crushed it with this business yeah. model. I mean, I haven't looked into it for like several, several months, but like there's multiple audiences and then there's multiple tiers or places where people can kind of like connect to you. And one another guy I really like, John Roderick learned this past month, like being a digital media creator, there's not a ton of security. Like, so he was on a podcast, some big, big podcast. He's one of the world's leading interlocutors, as far as I'm concerned. And he did this like half joking thing with his daughter on Twitter. And it, it just, ended up turning sour on him and people went way back into his tweets and fully canceled him. This is, um, Roderick. Yeah. Who was somebody you you listen to a lot, right? On I I love John Roderick. He's a good man. And like, this is just that cancel culture gone awry kind of thing. Like it knows how to do. But he just put an Instagram up I saw last night where he just released a Patreon. He's like, I realized how exposed I was. I realized how, like, first of all, I learned a lot. Like, yeah, there was some good points that I actually needed to hear in the criticism of this. And like, yeah, I learned a lot. (laughs) Second of all, delete all your old tweets. (laughs) He didn't say that. But then third of all, like, 
you know, I have a Patreon now where that's where I'm going to be doing a podcast and it's a bummer that it's not public, but this is this question to me of what it sacrifices for him is the relevancy to the everyday cocktail conversation. Cause mm-hmm. now you kind of got to be a nerd about it to know about what he's doing. And I actually need him to do something more for me than just be entertaining maybe. Right. right? So now I need some kind of this is my request of myself to do something more for me than just be entertaining. I wonder, you know, with Substack and paid podcasts and everything, how much are we all going to be spending on these subscriptions? And what's the bar for continued patronage? Because with Netflix, I know that like at least a couple nights a week, we're going to be popping in and yeah. watching something. That's an easy $10 a month to spend. That's, that's super easy. But as far as like, independent creators subscribing to a newsletter, $5 here, $10 there. I need to be like consuming it regularly. And there's so many damn podcasts. It's hard to, for me to listen to any show every week. I know actually Jessalyn listens to, there's a couple that every morning she, she pulls up like Mm. the daily, you know, and listens to that. And I bet she'd be willing to pay for that. But there's so many that you kind of just have on there that, you know, you're in the car or something, maybe decide to turn it on. Absolutely. And and honestly, I'm not sure how viable it is that we can tell everybody that they can be a digital creator if they want to be. Not the like, can you get big? It's like, can you get kind of big and then convince people to pay you? Mm-hmm. And this is like, now go back all the way to, you know, Corbett Barr and early days, Nathan Barry going like, yeah, if you are teaching them how to use Final Cut Pro, if you're teaching them how to pass the GED, if you're the most modern, sexy, fast, good looking version of you can help me pass the GED and that's what I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. then I'll do it you know, or this architecture, you know, test or uh, teach me how to be a professional digital creative, like, but kind of on the side, like, I don't want to spend right. $20,000 and go to art school. You're saying there are different bars for entertainment versus something that's useful to your career. Really love that feedback. That's like, I'm left with a vibe. What my hope is, you know, one of the things I said in the episode with you a bunch of times, is like resonance resonates. This is part of the underlying technology of humanity. I mean, when we were Mayans, like back, back, back in the day, there were just some people who, they resonated with other people. They grew this leadership capabilities. They might've even had the virtue that you would expect from a leader, right? And maybe that's why they resonated. You know, George Washington sounds like someone who, you know, people are like, you must be the president. He's like, I don't want to be that. And it wasn't just like, he wasn't feigning at it, right? They wanted this leadership. There is this sense, like I've always wanted, maybe I've always wanted to be a leader. Maybe there's some sort of job security in being a leader. I mean, less so in the cancel culture days. The idea that you can put something out and someone would vibe with it such that they're like, I like this. Like, that's how I am with Duncan Trussell. Like, I've been a Patreon supporter of Duncan Trussell for probably five years, and I haven't really done anything in there. I just leave it. I just let it go. You know, I just let it go. I feel like, you know, when we were doing like second, third year of the Fizzle show, when it was you and me and Caleb or, or you, me, Barrett, that sort of thing. We had people who would listen to every episode. I still have people who are like, yeah, I just started at episode one and I'm working my way forward. So they're getting real comfortable with Chase and Corbett from 2013. It's like watching a movie that you can only get on VHS. That'd be awesome if we could leave that out like that for forever. Because if I was coming of age five years from now and there were these conversations that you somehow hear somebody talk about somewhere just to hear about it, I'd be looking for things that weren't very popular. You know, I don't want to do the same thing that like my slick older brother was into or something like that Mm -hmm. or whatever. I want to find something a little more like punk, a little more DIY. And And the Fizzle Show, by the way, you know, in thinking about this like digital housekeeping that I've been going through, deleting old social media, deleting certain blog posts and videos and things like that. The Fizzle Show to me is this complete thing. Mm. It's almost like we wrote a book, even though we just publish every week. It's this nicely complete set of media. And I don't intend to touch that. I love it and would love to just have it exist forever as well. Yeah. What it's so ripe for is like one of the things I've gotten really good at is Final Cut Pro. Mm-hmm. And Final Cut, once you completely capitulate to how it wants to do things, it's like life goes easier for you. And what it's really good at is creating a library of media, like spe- lots of libraries of medias, and then setting markers in those media. So like, hey, here's episode one. Oh, we talk about this here. We talk about that there. We talk about this there. Oh, here's a little clip that's like a classic soundbite of Djibouti or whatever. Yeah. Like, so here's a little thing. And so you're going through, when I dream about my life, 
life, Corbin I dream of somebody paying for my life and I get to go through that and do that and then create the like digital sort of like the, the ultimate version of that thing that's worth money. It's a way, it's like the collector's edition. Yeah. You know, it would have a book that has mostly graphical sort of vibes and big textual quotes and things like that. But yeah. There's real insights about business, some of which matter and stand the test of time, and some of which do not. And that is more of what I've learned about being a digital creator than anything else is that's fucking Socrates was doing that. What matters and what doesn't? That's all we're trying to do. And then to make an opinion about what matters and what doesn't and present it in a way that's grokkable, that someone can capture and get. And so it can be used and useful in their life. Do you feel like there are some people out there who seem to produce less but more polished content. Yeah. You think about like Naval, right? He, you just get these little bits from him. Every tweet, it's like worth its weight in gold. Every tweet and every like two minutes podcast episode. There's a YouTuber called Mark Rober, who's one of the largest YouTubers. He puts a video out every month. That's it. 12 videos a year. Each one of them is just millions of views. Super fun, way low key production style that like, for some reason, you're just watching it nonstop. Like, yeah. You can't put it down. Right. Yeah. And it's epic to watch with kids or whatever. He crushes YouTube. Like YouTube loves just going, like, hey, watch this Mark Rober video, dude. There's others who are way bigger, but he just doing one video a month. I dream of that. To me, it's too much pressure on that video. I'm not good enough at keyword research to know this video is going to be worth it. So for me, I actually like to just keep the wheel spinning. It's like that wheel with the river going over. It's how like you're generating power in the little <laughs> tiny hut by the creek. Or whatever. Sure. It's like, yeah, let's the just grist keep mill. that thing. Let's just keep that thing going. And then I need someone over time. My audience speaks back to me, hopefully what was good and what wasn't uh, like you see that in the results, but also like who I am and who I was faking. When you throw a lot of stuff out there, there are good bits in there. If you have the time to go back and find those and collect them, you could create something later that yeah. is the best of, that's more polished and so on. Yeah. Like when you find those little things, you've really waded through a lot of shit to get to Djibouti or how's your father or shitting in tall cotton or yeah. lots of those things that actually, to me, those are the technology of our podcast that actually might keep someone going when it gets hard, when it's not working, when you put a lot of work into something and it just doesn't work out. When mm -hmm. you have to reinvent yourself, when you have to come up with a new strategy again and again and again, it's like, it's actually those little human points maybe that end up making the biggest difference for somebody that rather than like the insights about how big should a niche be. And to bring it back to Patreon and, and just the psychology of a paid subscriber, whether it's yeah. audio or a newsletter or whatever, there's probably going to be video. I mean, I guess you could do video on Patreon as well. It's not, it's not good. It's not easy. You have to have like a Vimeo or unlisted. I just use unlisted YouTube videos. Okay. Audio, it makes really easy. So back to the psychology of a paid subscriber, I'm wondering if in most cases, I mean, I guess sometimes you just try something out. If there's a newsletter, it's been recommended to you, or it's one of the more popular ones, maybe you'll just sign up for a month and try it yeah. and see what it's like. Yeah. But in a lot of cases, I wonder if the majority of subscribers aren't people that are almost paying retroactively, like mm. because they've gotten so much yeah. from you over yes. the years. Chase has given me so much that I want to pay him yes. 10 bucks a month for the next several years. Yeah, yeah, I get lots of that. And at certain eras of my life, like I just started doing that for people and those are still running. Like mm -hmm. my Duncan Trussell supporter on his Patreon is like, it's just still running years and yeah. years and years later because I'm just glad he's out there doing his thing. And, and he meant a lot. And the truth is, I actually still listen to his podcast, the one with ads in it. That's definitely a part of the psychology of a paid member. That is just some piece of the economy. We really need to see how it's going to work for there to be this kind of global ability for a lot of us to be supported, let alone to like have of people making stuff that we really like. Like for instance, on YouTube, there's a YouTube channel called, uh, I think they're called The Hill. Two young politics reporters. One's a Democrat who looks just like Steph Crowder and one's a conservative leaning guy named Sagar. Anyways, these people, like I, they're, they have some of my favorite takes like out there. Like I love getting their takes and stuff because it just feels more relevant. What's a threshold guardian there? It's like your level of intelligence. What I've noticed is in order to get big, you have to quote, play the game and whatever that means. Everybody means something different by that, right? Like, so you've got to know how to work with sponsors. You've got to know how to sort of like sell your audience to sponsors to be able to support yourself doing something. Right. Or you've got to know how to put together a value proposition that would get someone to actually support you independently, give their money directly to you. 
in the case of trying to build a large paid subscriber base, you have to have something out there that's free. There's discovery on some platforms like Substack, but the people that are at the top of that either were there early or they brought their own audience. It's just like uh, Clubhouse is a big thing right now, which like, it's cool when you get someone big and you see, listening to someone, it's like, holy shit, dude, I'm on the phone with fucking Gary Vaynerchuk right now. Because of that thing we talked about in our episode on Travel Light, this like, oh my God, you're really here right now. Like we're really sharing this space. We're in the same space. We're just in a different location. Back to that idea of spaciousness. But at the same time, it's just another place for there to be a first movers and B people who already had platform and then C little old you like you just flapping on. You have to find some way of just being who you are. That is attractive to people. That is valuable to people yeah. that, you know, people resonate with. Yeah. Right. And so the easiest way to resonate with someone is teach them how to do something that they really want to do and make it extremely easy for them and entertaining to learn. That's like, if you could do that, you can crush, but you're still going to start at the beginning. And like, hi, I've got my little sub stack out here. I make things really easy. You just have to like open it up and look at every word on the page because it's written. Or you have to like be here at this specific time on Clubhouse for me to do it. Or mm-hmm. you've got these like asynchronous media, like podcasts where you can just pop in when it, like you two, I can just pop in, but then I'm competing for your attention with like, the daily, which probably yeah. has like 15 million listeners. So this is, no matter what, it's this competitive landscape. And like, I, I've always shied away from competition in that sense, though I have always been competitive in my own ways. Like I wanted to be the best guitar player, you know, or I wanted to make the heaviest, I wanted to make the heaviest hardcore music in the Bay Area. There was competition, but it was different. And that kind of inner game, I think there's a book called The Inner Game of Golf. Golf is played between your two ears more than anywhere else. That kind of individualized inner game and being able to do that with collaboration with others, that to me seems like what we're all doing when we're, you know, zooming into work every day, when we're trying to be a, a good employee or trying to create our own business where or we're making content. Like I know some people make actual businesses where they don't have to make content every day, but they eventually come to me asking for a video. It Like they need influencers like me to, to help drive their sales in Q3. We still have to get to the audience somewhere. Where's the audience? They're scrolling through their phones. It's the kind of thing that like, we're all trying to get people to stop doing from a mental health perspective. I know. But we're all trying to keep them doing <laughs> but, it. From- but we want to be in the, if they're going to be doing it, we yeah. want to be in that, in that stream. So people may not know specifics, but it has been about three years to the month or so mm. since you've been full-time involved with Fizzle. And I'm wondering, reflecting on those three years, is there anything that you've learned I mean, obviously you've probably learned a lot about yourself because you've been Mm. operating on your own. Yeah. Is there anything that you've learned about business, about being a creative entrepreneur, about putting things out there in the world that you didn't know or weren't onto already during the fizzle days? Like give us the, the new takeaways. You've been out there pounding the pavement, finding sponsors, putting content out. You've been like rebuilding everything like from the ground up. And and obviously there's a lot of family stuff. You've moved several times. Give us the pulse. The pulse with Chase Reeves. Yeah, there's a lot. Most of it was stuff we were hitting every single week on the Fizzle Show. Most of it is just keep swimming. The thing that you get better at over time, like here's this quote I just found and I keep it on my desk. It's from someone, oh, it's Ursula Le Guin. She says, uh, each deed you do, each act binds you to itself and to its consequences and makes you act again and yet again. I keep that on my desk to like remind me that Whatever I'm doing right now, it comes back again and again and again. And I I will find myself in this exact same place on a different call with you or on a different call with someone else or experiencing some consequence of this thing that we're doing, positive or negative. So one of the things that I think I've gotten better at, not that I've gotten actually better at this, but I see more clearly that what you're doing has consequences and likely what you're doing, you're basically creating a path for you to keep doing that thing. So do you like it? (laughs) Is it the kind of thing you want to be doing? That's something that I believe now more maybe than I used to. I see the real worldness of. Do you mean the specific act, like the one-time event, like the fact that we're recording a podcast? Or do you mean the habit of showing up 
Yes, it's both. If you can't see through the specificity when you're looking at this recording the podcast, you can maybe see clearer when you blur your vision a little bit and see that, whoa, how many times have you done this kind of thing? Like how Mm -hmm. many videos have you made? How many tweets have you sent? How much of what we do online is actually just happening almost before we've even thought about it? How many tweets have I sent? Totally, almost unconscious about what's going on. And what happens is that kind of persists. It kind of like not the tweet, the practice of that, or the, the habit of that, like you're saying, the, the activity mm-hmm. of it. And I find myself doing more subconscious tweeting or unconscious tweeting, right? Or maybe doing less when I start to become aware of it and go like, does this serve me? So like still just as it has ever been, it's this question of like, you know, where you drew your original audience, which is like, what's worth spending time on? Culling things down, minimizing life, putting more value on things like relationships and travel, time being spent doing the kinds of things you want to be doing or whatever. Yeah. That's the same old shit. It's fucking four hour work week. It's just, it's like the same old stuff. That's all been reinforced for me. The thing that like most of the change has been inside of me. So my conviction is different. I believe in what I used to just say, because I could feel it was true. Now I believe it quite a bit more. I've seen it in the real world. And part of that was, first of all, we were talking for years and years. I was sharing for years and years and years trying to help people go independent. And I wasn't, I wasn't actually that independent. We were a partnership. We were a pro, we were like a company that was like, actually there was a family there and that felt, that felt real and good. And there was a lot of support there. I remember being in Mexico with you having those conversations and just feeling like, well, much like I do now, because we're in a point of sort of transition again, but just the sense of like, is this what I want to do? Is this like, but I've been thinking about it for so long. I think I just have to do this. I don't know if it's right, you know, and I don't know what I'm going to regret about. I don't know what the consequences of this are going to be. And just the the sort of fear, the fear forced me, even though it was like, there was viability, like I, we, were, we weren't going to be destitute right away because of all the work that, that we've done in Fizzle. But at the same time, it was like the beginning of this really being independent and really standing on my own two legs. My wife wasn't working. It was like, all of that was was like, holy, what are, what are we really going to do? And I just had to forget about it and just keep making content, mm-hmm. you know, and just keep like trying to be smart about it. And now I'm back at that situation now going like, how many more videos on bags can I make Corbett Bar? Right. Like how, how many I mean, more? You've, you've made about 95 more than I thought you could make. <laughs> Yeah, truly. It's like, where does this go? What's the future in this? There's still that insecurity and there's still that uncertainty, Mm -hmm. which has also some insecurity in it. Like uncertainty is not the same thing as insecurity. This is what you learn when you travel for like like all the time traveling. You're constantly uncertain. You uncouple yourself from certainty, but you can find some security in that. There is, I think, alive in the world right now, maybe more than ever in recent time, at least, a ton of insecurity, Mm -hmm. a ton of like economic insecurity, tons of just fear and uncertainty and doubt about stuff. And I've got my own share of that. And then I'm also just swimming in the collective unconscious of that. And so insecurity is a very real sort of slippery slope of despair and why I think Buddhism such an interesting thing to at least give some of your life to like learning about because they just attack head on this idea of security. There's no fucking thing. There's no such thing as secure. What do you mean security? They just constantly are pounding you over the head with like, oh, okay. So when I feel insecure, what I'm really feeling is alive. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like I'm really feeling potential. I'm really feeling like this might not work and it also might. Right. <laughs> so I don't know, getting more comfortable with that. I've learned more from traveling. I think more living in like trading in our picket fence for the life on for the road. For being on the road. Exactly. Yeah. Do you feel like as a more experienced entrepreneur, you come to a place where you are now, where you feel uncertain, but maybe not secure, but you don't feel the insecurity that you used to. But whereas beginning entrepreneurs feel both, they yeah. feel both uncertain and insecure. And that yeah. that's really the struggle of being an early yeah. entrepreneur. Also, you don't know. Like the, I think the hardest part about the early entrepreneur stuff is like, Yeah, I'm thinking about starting a new website (laughs) that will help people to categorize their Pokemon Go. No, not that one. What was the one I came up with yesterday? It was like just things that you don't know if it's going to work because you have to pick something that nobody else is doing already or something like that. You know, this is why it's like if you can just go work for some company they believe in their vision and outwork people and get disillusioned with the whole idea of a company 
eventually get all that shit out of you so that you can get a sense of actual terrain. You know, in psychedelic world, we talk about the difference between the map and the terrain, right? It's like the, the map is not the terrain. It's not. It is a map of the terrain. But being in the terrain is very different than looking at a map and orienting <laughs> yourself on a map, right? So like there's a real, when I talk about deeper conviction, more confidence in my entrepreneurship or in my, you know, it's because more time in the terrain, more cold nights on a mountaintop, more hot days in the desert, more like- And more of those cold nights where you found a sleeping bag or you yeah. woke up and you were fine the next day, or you yeah. were in the hot desert and you found water somehow. Yeah. You just get comfortable totally. with not knowing where the water is going to be, but you know yeah. that it will be there eventually. Yeah. And so much of that was actually not of my own doing. It's like, there's somebody who's like, yeah, I set up this thing to say there's water that way. Like we've seen, you're not the only motherfucker we've seen. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's what the fizzle show is in, in a lot of ways, but because you're not alone, there's other people, you find your way through life as a pod and you may not ever know these people, but they're probably, they may comment on a tweet or like it or, or just see it. And they're going through very similar things. You know, I've started coaching people and I just learned so much from the people that I'm coaching. You know, I just use Marco Polo, by the way, to coach like this. I love Marco Polo, the app. Like, I think it's got, I think it has a little bit of an LA sort of history, but I think where it's gone, I think these people making it might be quite good mm -hmm. at this understanding asynchronous communication with simple video on the phone. But I just use that for coaching and I learned so much from what these, you know, they're not even clients. They're just what these people that I'm like coming alongside of for a short amount of time are doing. Chase, I am excited for future episodes of Travel Light. It's going to be the top podcast in my list for oh. as long as you're publishing new episodes. I can't wait. People I'm can I'm so honored that you are my first guest. Like, like it felt so good to be recording that with you and go like, yeah, maybe this is how I'll launch my podcast. Like I'll start it with Corbett because you and I were married for a long time. We we came right in, we came up shoulder to shoulder with each other. We built this thing. You had the vision beforehand, brought me in and like we did it all together. And I think you and I should make a course on partnerships, a simple one, because actually there's not like a lot to know, but there's a few <laughs> really important things to know. Totally. But like you doing a business with you, being your partner was, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, I got to go to the school of Corbett Bar and that's where I got my MBA. And that's why I was able to fucking swim and not sink because of the, all the work that we were doing together. And that was a boon for me, my friend. Still is. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, I'm completely honored to be the first guest. If all you do listening to this at home is check out the masterful artwork for Chase's podcast, please do that because it's it's beautiful. You like that? It's, it's great. Looks really nice. nice. And uh, the show, you can find it over at chasereeves.co or you can look up Travel Light in your favorite podcast player. Chase, as always, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, my friend. And it's been a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on. I love you, Fizzle audience. Bye-bye. And as always, you can find notes for this episode and every other over at fizzleshow.co. Until next time, I'm Corbett Barr, and thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show. <laughs>